Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. Here to worship today. So this series that we're going to be doing for the next couple of weeks is all about uh, Christmas time. It's all about, this is based on uh, where the wise men came to Jesus. And what do they say? They say, we have come to worship. And that's really where this whole message is kind of getting derived from, from their posture of worship. There's many different kinds of way that we worship. What is worship? First off, let's just define what is worship. Worship is more than a song. Worship is more than music. It's more than singing. Um, worship is the response of the heart in gratefulness to our God. That's what worship is. And so when you worship, you can worship in many different ways. It's not, it's not locked into you worship this way or you worship this way. I know sometimes when we think of worship, we think of music, we think of this segment in the, in the service. Well, this is worship and this is preaching. And, but yet really, in actuality, everything we do should be worship to our God. How our attitude is, how we shop. Are we being what Christ wants us to be? It all derives from the overflow of thankfulness to God and worshiping him out of who he is, his holiness, um, his, his power, and all those wonderful things that we'll talk about in just a moment. But this series is coming from the wise men who traveled to see Jesus, and they said, we have come to worship. Now, Different responses, or I say postures of worship, have everything from lifting of hands, uh, maybe a response of worship, uh, to maybe uh, bowing your head, or maybe bending a knee, or maybe it's, uh, it's, it's in how you give in your generosity. That could be worship. Uh, there's many different responses or postures of worship. In fact, uh, here at Crossview, during what you would say is our worship time, you'll see people respond to God in many different ways. You'll see some people stand, some people sit, some people um, maybe stand there with their hands together. Others may lift their hands. Others may sway. You know, you get that sway going on. And by golly, if you're standing too close to somebody and you're not swaying the right way, you're going to bump. It's going to happen, you know. Uh, might have a concussion by the end. Um, uh, so lots of different expressions or postures of worship. And kind of what I want to do over our next several times together, including Christmas, our, our Christmas Eve time, is I want to talk about different responses that we could have in thankful gratefulness to our God for Jesus coming and giving us Jesus and Jesus giving his life and how we respond to that. And some of this is going to challenge some of you. Some of this is going to push you outside your comfort zone. Because it's real comfortable just to kind of sit back and blend in and not really stand out. But sometimes our response overflows our heart and leads us to a greater response in our posture of worship. And so that's what I want to talk about with you over the next several weeks. Talk about lifting of hands and bringing our offerings or our treasures to, to him. Pouring out our hearts and what that might look like. Today, I want to talk with you about one that's not spoken of very much in the church, uh, but it's just as much a posture of worship, and we see it throughout Scripture, and that is come to worship and to bow your knee. Bow your knee to Jesus. Bow your knee to the one who is with us. And we see this come, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, 
verse 10 and 11. Now, this is, like I said, based on the wise men. Are you going to hear, hear me say magi? That just means the wise men. That's, that's another name for them. The magi, and here's what they said. The wise men or the magi saw the star. What were they? What was their response to the star? They were what? They were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the what? The child, the child with his mother, mother Mary. And what did they do? They, they bowed down and they worshiped him. Uh, so immediately you see that there is a posture of reverence and a posture of worship that overflows their heart. And the only response they have is to bow down before the baby Jesus, or I'm sorry, the child Jesus, to see why this is so important today. Why is it so important that we have this, we understand the posture of bowing down. Let's pray. Father, help us today to understand that, God, we worship you in many different ways, in many different facets, and they're all glorious and they're all good. And God, as we see these wise men, we have to understand why did they bow, what responded that, what brought about that response or that, that reflex of, of bowing down before you, God. They understood something that maybe we have forgotten about and help us understand what that is today. In Jesus' name we ask. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now, why did they bow down? Now, we look back and we go, well, obviously, he's the king Jesus, but they didn't know this. They were going based on what they saw. They saw a star. They knew that something special was happening. And so they went. There was something that happened in that place that made them have the response or the, the reflex to bow down. It comes to culture. There's a lot of cultural purposes for that. In the days of that, when Jesus was born, uh, whenever you saw royalty, whenever you saw anyone of a hierarchy or a higher level than you, there was a, either a bowing of the head or there was a bowing of the knee. Uh, when you entered into the king's courts, you never came in with your head held high. You came in with your head bowed. And you even, when you came forward, you bowed at the knees or you bowed your knee down to his majesty because why? That is a system of humility and a place of respect. And so there is this response that these men have that something stirred inside them, this response to bow down. Little child, and they bow down. Now, it's interesting that as we read this story, many times we will think of little, you know, six-pound baby Jesus in a manger swaddling clothes, and we'll think, about, oh, this little baby. We see it in all the nativity scenes. We see, we see Mary, we see Joseph, we see Jesus, we see angels, and we see the shepherds, and we see the wise men right there with them, right? But that's very inaccurate. Uh, the wise men were not there on the night that Jesus was born. Uh, that was, that's something that we have kind of clumped together to make the story easier to tell. But we must understand, guys, and I want to help you understand this, that if you understand Scripture, this was a child, not a baby, first off, Scripture says. But understand this, they came from 900 miles away. They had no planes, 
They had no cars. They had no quick transportation. 900 miles away, when did the star appear? The star appeared on the night he was born. And therefore, they had a long travel in front of them before they could ever find this Jesus. So understand this, that this was a young child. In fact, I'll give you some other hints to this. Um, Matthew chapter 2, when they're looking for this child, they go to King Herod. And they ask King Herod, hey, King Herod, do you know where the child, the baby is, the king that has been born? We saw his star. We followed it here to Jerusalem, but we can't find him. Do you know this king? King Herod, who was a very jealous man, a very um, insecure man, said, I have not heard of this king, but I'm curious. Would you do me a favor? When you find the king, will you come back and tell me who he is? I, too, want to worship him. So they go about their way, this, uh, Matthew says, and it says that they came to a place. In fact, uh, Scripture says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9 and 11, it says, when the wise man saw the star, no, I'm sorry, at, at verse, I don't think this is in your notes, maybe not. Okay, we'll go on here. Matthew chapter 2, verse 9 and 11 says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen had went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Understand, this is a child. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother. I think I just read that. Okay, we'll back that up. I'm, I'm, I'm going someplace with this. Uh, so we knew that it took a long time to get there. So what happened was, after they leave, they don't go back to the king because God gave them a, a sense that the king was an evil king and that he was up to no good. So they went about their business after they had worshiped him. They did not go back to the king, and the king became furious. Here it is, Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. It says, when Herod realized that they had outwitted him, when they realized that the wise men had outwitted him, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill Listen, all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity that are two years and under, in accordance with what the timetable was that the Magi had said. Now, I don't know about you, but thinking about the wise men coming and worshiping a baby is really sweet and very gentle and very kind and very cool, you know, little baby Jesus, worshiping Jesus, that's all great. But I don't know about you, but... Worshiping a two-year-old toddler doesn't seem as sweet and gentle and kind. I don't know. Anybody ever had two-year-olds in the house? Any two? I mean, terrible twos is the proper saying for twos, right? Two-year-olds are just crazy, like strong. I mean, they like are, there's something wrong with them at two. They're, they're energetic. They're bouncing off the walls. They're into everything. I mean, just when you think you've got them trapped down, they got something else in their mouth. They got something else they're drawing on, or they're naked, running around the, running around the house, whatever it is. It's like there's always something. So it's interesting that it, this dynamic for me takes a whole different meaning because they were not coming to a little baby. They were coming to a two-year-old. Now, listen, let me just say something. We all, we all will say, well, it was baby Jesus. It was two-year-old toddler Jesus. Surely he was an angel. Surely he was perfect, right? Because we don't want to think about Jesus licking and eating dirt, <laughs> right? Now, I'm not going to tell you he did or didn't because, God, I don't want to run that. But 
I'm just going to say this. The Bible says he was like us in every way. Uh-oh. That brings it down to more of a human level. He was a two-year-old. And they show up, he's there, and they bring in their gifts. And what do they do? Their only response was to bow and to worship the king. Now, culturally, this was an ongoing practice in this world. The bowing down in reverence, the bowing down in respect. Um, in, in the culture, it was out of uh, a sense of understanding that someone maybe had more authority than you did. So it was very culturally real. However, culturally, in our world today, that's not true, okay? Think about it, guys. Guys, we really only bow two times in our life, right? One is when we propose, we get on a knee and we bow down. And women, you should hold that over us for the rest of our lives because we bow down, okay? Second is in football, when you're taking the football photo, you bow down with a helmet in front of you and you stick your chest out and you look really cool. That's it. That's the only two times we bow, right? Ladies, not so much. You don't even bow, really. You do this. <laughs> Knee pop. You know? It's not even a full, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Anyway, looks weird. Okay, don't do it again. All right. So there's not a lot of times in our culture that we bow. However, I believe that the reason why sometimes we don't necessarily have that response of bowing is because sometimes we forget just exactly who he really is, how awesome he is, how amazing he is, and what he can do. Here's what Psalm 95 says. This is way before Jesus. Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7. It says, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel. Let us kneel before what? The Lord our For what? He is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. We are to come and we are encouraged to bow, not because he calls us to, but out of response of who he is. The response comes from who he is. In fact, Hebrew, that word for bow, is actually um, shaka. Everybody say shaka. Not to be confused with Shaka Khan. <laughs> Shaka Khan, 80s reference. Just, you know, you know who it is, 80s. You want, and a lot of you want, but Shaka is mentioned 170 times in the Bible, and every time it's mentioned, it's mentioned as a response or posture of bowing down. It, it is a bow down of worship. It is where we come to this place, we understand how big God is, his holiness, his presence. We cannot stand in it. We cannot be a part of it. So what do we do? The only response is to bow down. Moses, Moses, who for me, he's like trumps me, like he's way beyond me. Moses, who brought all the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. I mean, Moses, who turned the, the rod and, and a serpent, nay, the other two serpents. Moses, who called down hail and destroyed and the locusts and all the plagues. This guy, he's big time. And he wanted to see God. And God said, no, Moses, 
you can't handle it. You can't take me in. In fact, the Bible says that God said, okay, Moses, I'll let you see my glory. As I pass by you, you can see my glory as I pass by you. So now my mind in that passage goes, God mooned Moses. That's my vision of it. I don't know. Twist it. That's why I see God just mooned Moses because he couldn't stand to see everything. It's just the backside. Anyway, so yeah, don't take that to the bank. Don't go say Pastor Kevin said, you know, any of that stuff. Uh, another thing is in the Old Testament, when they created the tabernacle, they made a place called the Holy of Holies, the holiest place where they introduced to once a year to forgive the sacrifices for all the nation of Israel. And as they entered in, only one priest of the purest hearts, the purest of mind, the purest of soul could enter into that place. Now, Jewish history, there's no history that says this, but Jewish tradition passes down that they said they used to put, and they did have bells uh, around the priest, the priest uh, claws, the clothing that they had. They had bells all around the bottom. And so you could hear them still moving in there. And that's actually what the real sign is, is that as long as you heard the bells moving, he was still alive because an unholy person could not stand in God's presence. Jewish tradition says that they used to tie a rope around the leg of the priest. So if they didn't have the bells move, they would pull out his dead corpse because he could not stand in the presence of God. So this bowing down in worship is in response to how holy our God is. And so sometimes, maybe you see it in worship, maybe you see it in your everyday, maybe you yourself have done it, I know I have. There's been times that I've been in worship, there's been times I've been in my prayer time that I literally had to get down on my knees because I knew that God's presence was there and I was unworthy to stand in the presence of a holy God. I feel, I felt there was no other response that I could have than to bow down on my knees because God is holy and I am far from it. Because God is pure, I am not. Because of who he is, my response was to bow down. What is he? He is omnipotent. What does that mean? That means he's all powerful. He is omnipresent. That means he is everywhere all the time. No matter where you're at, all the time, God is omnipresent. He is what they call omniscient. That means he is all-knowing. He knows all. He sees the beginning from the end. He knows what's going on. And so many times when I think about omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, I am in awe because of how great, big our God. And God literally, God literally, he, he, he just assumes I think at times that because of who he is, he doesn't force us to bow, but we bow as a response of how holy he is with our hands lifted high, with our, our songs lifted out, with our hearts overflowed with joy, with in his presence maybe a sense of bowing down. I don't know about you, but it takes us to a greater place when we come to worship the king. So I wanna give you three thoughts of what we do when we kneel. Three reasons why we kneel when we come into God's presence. Here's number one. If you have the notes, write this down. Number one, we kneel in pursuit. Mark chapter 10, there's a wealthy man, and he, he knows something missing in his life, though he has everything. 
He has everything that you could ever imagine. He's bought all the things. He's had all the fun that he could have, but he knew something was missing, and he comes to Christ, and it says this. Jesus started on his way, Matthew chapter 10, verse 17. Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to Jesus, fell down on his what? On his knees before him, and he said, good teacher. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, so many times I have read that passage and I focus on the question, what must I do to have eternal life? That's my focus. But if I miss his posture, I miss out on what this man thought about Jesus. Notice his posture. He didn't run up and say, hey, yo, 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 Jesus. What's up, dude? Yo, dog, what do I got to do to be saved? How's it work? He didn't do that. What did he do? He ran up and he what? Fell on his knees because he realized that Jesus had something and he wanted what Jesus had. He fell on his knees in pursuit for something more. And some of you, some of us today are sitting here and God is drawing you. God has been drawing you for a while. God has been calling out to you. God has been, you, maybe you've been coming to church just for a little bit of time, or maybe uh, you've been coming for a long time, but it's like God is drawing you. And some of us, the only response that you have is to kneel in pursuit and say, God, I don't know, but I know that I need more than what I have right now. Some of you today are going to kneel in pursuit of something more that God has. The second kind is this. Second individual is those that will kneel in repentance. Uh, we all do bad things. We all go down bad roads. We all say things that we shouldn't, act in ways we shouldn't, look at things that we shouldn't. Uh, we all go down bad roads. And what's interesting is Christmas time seems to be a magnifier of wrongs that were done in our past. It seems to me in Christmas time, during Christmas time, uh, sadness is magnified. Gladness can be magnified as well. It seems to be at, at, at Christmas time, separations seem further, divisions seem stronger. Christmas time tends to be one of those magnifiers in life. But here's a story that tells us what happens when we kneel in repentance. Look at Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, Peter, here's the story. Peter's been fishing all night. He is, uh, he's been up all night, didn't catch anything. He's dejected. I'm sure he's discouraged. Jesus says, Jesus sells, says out to them from the shoreline, hey, uh, why don't you throw your nets on the other side of the boat? Now, you just imagine Peter. Peter was a fisherman by trade. Imagine somebody coming to your job who never has done your job, never has stepped foot on your company, and they're going to come tell you how to do your job. If you're like me, you'd be like, okay, thanks, man. Move on. I got this, right? But what does it say that Peter did? Now, understand, this, these boats they fished in, they weren't very big. It wasn't like there's fish over here, but no fish over there, right? It wasn't like the fish are so smart, they know to stay on this side of the boat, right? That's not the way it was. But yet, because 
Peter believed that there had to be something hopeful about this Jesus. I'm sure he heard his stories about this Jesus and kind of understood this was a prophet. This was a guy, or this was a, um, uh, um, uh, oh man, I lost, uh, I lost what I was going to say. A leader, a teacher, uh, a Jewish teacher. I'll come up with it sooner or later. It'll come out in my thoughts. Uh, I'm sure he heard his reputation before. And so what does he do? Peter, I believe, with a bad attitude, that's because that would be me. He probably didn't. Peter was probably way better than I was. But with a bad attitude, I'm sure he pulled up the nets. I'm like, this guy, throw him over here. This is so dumb. Okay, gotcha. You know, throw him out there. And what happened? It said there were so many fish, it almost began to sink the boat. They almost didn't know what to do. And here's what, how Peter responded. Peter, uh, he responds this way. It says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, what did he do? He fell to his knees before Jesus, and he said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Peter knew that he was in the presence of someone who could do miracles and someone who could do um, very powerful things, and he felt there was no way he could even stand because of how great Jesus was. But here's what's cool about Jesus. None of us are too far too far gone. None of us are too far lost. We're not, we haven't said enough or done enough. You're here today. You're at the right place because Jesus is a friend to the sinner. He's a friend to where you're at today. Jesus never turns away a sinner with a repentant heart that comes to him and says, here I am. I, forgive me, Lord. I need your grace and mercy in my life. And we fall to our knees in response of this amazing repentance that we get when we kneel and we bow our heads and we ask him to forgive us of our sins. So there's a kneel of pursuit, a kneel of repentance. And then number three, here's the last one. The final one is just very simply kneel in submission. Now, this one, I look at the first one and we all can say, yep, I'm pursuing a God. I'm going to pursue Jesus. And we look at the second one and you go, yeah, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I can repent. But this one seems to be the one that's going to be probably hurt Americans the most. Submit. Submission. Turn to your neighbor and say submission. Turn to your spouse and say submit. Thank God Michelle don't have a voice. She can't even say it back. She lost her voice. <laughs> submit. Submission. Submission is one of those things that's easy at times to say, but my gosh, so hard to do, right? Am I the only one? Anybody in here struggle with submission? Raise your hand. If you struggle, raise it up high. Submit. It's okay. Let's, it's healing time. It's healing time. It's healing time. Can you feel it? Some of you, I'm waiting because I know you don't submit. I'm looking for you. I know who you are. Submit. It's so hard, challenging to submit. So hard. And this kneel and submission comes from a response that understands how big God is and how small we are. This kneel and submission comes from understanding that he's the creator of all that is around us. I, I, I come to him, but when I come to him, I don't deserve him. But because he loves me, because he's gracious to me, he allows me to come into his presence and to worship him. This, this Jesus that we celebrate every Christmas, 
this Jesus that we celebrate, this little baby in a manger, he grew up, he became a teenager, he became an adult, and all his life, he submitted to the will of God. His whole life. It didn't happen like that. It wasn't, it wasn't a spiritual gift of submission that he had. He fought against his flesh like you and me. He struggled with being a man. He struggled with rising up and saying, I have a right, just like we do in our world today. I won't do that because I have a right. You can't treat me the way because I have a right. We have no rights when we come to Christ because we die to ourselves and we submit to who he is. And some of us today in this room, submission is hard, but dying to ourselves is impossible. But here's what happened. As we read the story of Jesus in Luke chapter 22. So we read the first part of Luke. Now here's the ending part of Luke. Luke chapter 22. It says, Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw away. And what did he do? He knelt down, got on his knees, and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, would you please take this suffering? The brutality of the cross he knew was coming. He knew in just a few hours he was going to be beaten. He was going to be he was going to be ridiculed. He was going to be spit upon. He was going to be his, his beard plucked out. He was going to be punched and smacked. He knew that he'd be beaten with a cat of nine in just hours. So, Father, he's struggling with submission. Father, is there another way? Because if there is, I sure would like to have it. If it's possible, if you can, Father, if there's another way, would you please let me off? Because I don't want to go through the pain that I'm about to go through. I don't want to die. But yet, he goes on to pray, not, not my will. He submits, not my will. But Father, yours be done. See, this, this kneel of submissions hard. It goes against our human nature because we are about, we want to do what we want to do. We want to go, we want to go, we say, we say, but this kneeling submission draws us to a place where we say, okay, God, I trust you. Take me. Do what only you can do, God. Jesus prays, Father, if it's possible, take this comfort, but not my will be done. Yours will, your will be done. I trust you, God. I trust you. Do what only you can do. Kneel in submission and find strength to stand. Some of you, your family's going through a hard time. I don't know what your family's going through, but some of you, this holiday season is pretty tough. Maybe you're, for the first time, going to be going through the holidays and the loss of a loved one. Maybe today you're sitting here and you have friendships and relationships that have been distanced this past year. I don't know what it is today, but what I want to encourage you to do is to find this place of kneeling in submission to God, to find strength. When we kneel, we have strength to stand. 
when we kneel, we find strength to stand. You don't know what to do with that job. You don't know what to do with your kids. <laughs> you don't know what to do with your future decision you have to make. You don't know what to do with your finances. You don't know how you're going to make ends meet. Maybe this is a very challenging holiday. I'm here to tell you, kneel down and pray and say, Father, whatever you want, I submit to you. Take this and just do what only you can do because I know that I don't have the strength to stand. But when we kneel, we find strength to stand. Some of us are going to lift our hands and worship. Some of us are going to bring gifts and worship. Some of us are going to cry out to God and worship. Others of us are going to kneel down and we're going to worship the God. We're going to worship him in pursuit. We're going to kneel down in repentance. We're going to kneel down in submission. We're going to worship him because of who he is. Here's what Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 and 11, because I got some news for you today. Either we kneel down for him now, voluntarily, or we will kneel down for him in the future, non-voluntarily. Here's what it says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 and 11. It says, And being found in the appearance of man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death upon the cross. Therefore, what did God do? Therefore, God exalted him, exalted him, and lifted him up to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. That what? That what? That at that name, at that name of Jesus, say it with me, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And what? And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You will either bow now in humble reverence to who he is, or we will bow in the future. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Bow your heads with me today. Father, help us today to worship you, God. We worship you by lifting our hands, yes, by singing songs, yes. But God, let us bow down before the one who can do the impossible. Jesus, you showed us it's a struggle. You so showed us it's not easy. It's not easy to submit. It's not easy to bow down. But God, we bow and we kneel and we worship you because we know that in that posture, you give us strength to stand. Strength to walk through the darkest of times. Strength that in the Christmas season, Lord, whenever all the presents are done and whenever all the family leaves and we have just our quiet time, Lord, we bow down and we worship you because we're grateful for all the blessings you've given us. So God, would you just be with us right now in the next few moments of time. Let us bow our hearts and bow our knees to you today. Your head bowed and eyes closed today. about how great our God is? Can we just think about his holiness, his goodness that he loved us so much he gave his son Jesus and Jesus loved us so much that he gave his life he pursued the cross Though he prayed, if it's possible, take it away. He still went forward because he knew the only hope we would have in this life was the cross. So 
God, we worship you. And our only response today is to lift our voices or lift our hands or bow our knees because of how amazing you are and how much you loved us and how gracious you are. Let us, God, in the next few moments of time, respond and worship to you. Whatever way we're comfortable, God, however we seem fit, may we worship you, God, in this place. And your presence encourages each one of our lives. I'm going to do a song we haven't done in a really long time, like years. But it's like the perfect song for this message today. And it actually, you know, we, I've done this song a lot. And as we did it this week, as we were getting it ready to go, it's like a perfect Christmas song. Um, because it's all about him coming and his life he gave for us. But the song has words that call us to a place of worship. So as we sing it, I don't, I don't want any preconceived ideas of what, the, what that looks like. I want you to respond and worship what you're comfortable responding with. I don't want to say you have to stand, you have to sit, you have to lift your hands. I want you to worship God the next few months time. We have time here. I want you to respond and come and worship in your own way to surrender and to become to that place where you experience who God is.
this morning. We're so thankful that you came, Jesus. We're so thankful that, Jesus, when you prayed those prayers, it was possible to take this cup that you submitted. You said, nevertheless, not my will. And God, many of us here today, that's what our prayer is every day. Not our will, but your will be done. So God, as we go through this holiday season, God, as family comes in and crisis comes our way and maybe hurt feelings and past comes back to haunt us, God, may we come to worship you and may we say, God, I submit to you because you are our healing God. If you can bear the cross, there's nothing too great that we cannot bear. So go with us, God. May you watch over us and may every day may be a posture of worship, whether lifting our hands or singing our, lifting our voices or pouring out our hearts, God, or kneeling down in prayer, kneeling down in worship to you, in reverence to you. God, whatever the posture of worship is, may it just be pure, may it be true, and may it be an overflow of the gratefulness, the overflow of understanding that you are omni, you're omni, omni, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. You are a God who is so good to us. So God, go with us, I pray. And let us lift our hearts to you every day in worship. Sing it again. And here I am to worship. Here always remember to daily worship you during this holiday season in Jesus name. Everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. We'll see you next Sunday. You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com.